Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. This is such an interesting thing in my, uh, in my life that this is a time of the year as far as the climate and stuff that I like the least. You know, it's no longer winter and not yet spring, someplace in between. And yet this is a time that I just have my best encounters with God. And uh, I just so appreciate that from him. And why God uses certain time periods and certain events in our lives, I have no idea, but he does. You know, and that's why I think of all the youth ministry and the doing, it's not done as much as it used to be, but doing retreats, youth retreats, and how often God honored that and met young men and women at those youth retreats, and they had an encounter with God that helped change and steer and direct their lives forever. So those are just phenomenal things. The way, it's kind of strange how God interacts with us. You pray and pray and pray, God, if you would just show me. And then all of a sudden, it seems like it takes forever. And then in a moment of time, oh my gosh. So God's both the, the, the God of the long range and God of the here and now. And I really like that about him. We have been uh, looking at uh, learning to live loved by God. In all the teachings throughout all the years, this is one of the things, the reason I'm spending so much time with it, I wasn't taught this. I was taught all the other things that I was supposed to do to be obedient, to be good, to be faithful, to be strong, to all, all those other things. And nobody taught me how to just be loved by God. And if you look at the New Testament and the New Covenant, all of it is about learning to let God love you. All of it is a description of your new being, and actually it's a doorway of how, how to live in that. And uh, what it says in the book of Acts, that in him we live and move and have our being, our very source, our, uh, what life is, is that. And we find an interesting thing here in 1 Corinthians 13, and yes, I'm going to read it again today because it, it is a centerpiece to all this it's the it's the center chapter to the church at Corinth who is experiencing outpourings of the Holy Spirit moves of the Holy Spirit and uh, Paul both described and encouraged and talked about gifts and then especially in chapters 12 and 14 and we forget that chapter 13 is about gifts also the greatest gifts the best gifts. And so it's just like 1 Corinthians 13 is always used for weddings because we're told you need to love this way. Actually, it's not talking about that at all. It's not telling us we need to love that way. It's telling us, describing what the love of God looks like. It's, it's just this, reread it sometime this week. Just Skip 12 and 14, go straight to 13, and just read it aloud to yourself. And I'm going to read it this morning. Uh, this is in the, I've read it in so, several different versions. This is the New King James Version. Though I speak with the 
tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Isn't that amazing? Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. And I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. We know in part, we understand in part. For what I've seen in my own life and the life of others, we often only believe in part. Isn't that the truth? I believe Jesus so much, and then a circumstance in life happens, and I go, oh, oh man, what's going to happen now? What are we going to do now? Look what they did with that train wreck. Now they're going to make that decision? How can they possibly do that? They should all be thrown out of office. The guy's going, buddy. Do you forget about me? Do you think I'm really overly concerned with all that? You know what he is concerned with? Loving on you. That you would receive his love. It's so important to learn to live loved and to repeat it over and over and over in your life. Because it does something. This morning I want to talk about this. There is, within the framework of this passage of Scripture, and in the framework of all Scriptures, actually from Genesis forward, this theme that I've decided to call the keeping power of God's love. Now, the word keep is really interesting. Because even in the English dictionary, let alone going back to the Hebrew word for keep and keeper, and the English or the uh, Greek word for keep and keeper that we find in the New Testament, it has this one word, keep and keeper, has multiple meanings depending on whether it's a verb, it's just like the word love, or whether it's a noun or a verb or an intransitive verb and transitive verb. Just listen to some of the descriptions from the Webster Dictionary, as a transitive verb. It means to retain one's possession or power, to have in control, like to keep your temper, 
to act fittingly in relation to something, keeping the Sabbath, uh, to keep the Sabbath, to watch over and defend, like to keep someone from harm, to preserve, like food, to keep the food, in an unspoiled condition, and to stay or to continue in, like, even though I preach a long time, don't get out of your seats. Keep your seats, please. Uh, as an intransitive verb, it means to maintain a course, direction, or progress. To continue without inner, keep going. To remain in good condition. The meat will keep in the freezer. If not, it will spoil and stink up your house. To remain a secret. That secret we need to keep. Have you ever kept secrets? Do you know what the business laws of, of, of secrecy are? If you tell somebody something, be sure they'll tell three other people. It's, it's really an axiom for business leadership. Keep as a noun means uh, to have the provisions for by one is kept. Uh, he earned his keep. One that keeps or protects as a person or an object. So this is a noun. A fortress. A castle. Is actually is a keep. The strongest and most secure part of ancient castles was called their keep. It was a center a place that was only had access through one entry. And that entry was also the exit. So they could secure it and stay there, and they would store food, uh, armory, and uh, water. Uh, and then a keep is also a noun in the sense of a person, one whose job is to keep or tend. We call it shepherd. Same word in the original language, shepherd or keeper. To watch or manage, to keep an eye on something, to guard it. That, you know, he's the keeper of that. He's the keeper of the jail meaning he was a main jailer. Now, the biblical meanings, they track with the English meanings depending on the context and who or what the subject is. Why is that even important? And what does it have to do with God and his love? Everything. Everything. If you do a word, if you have a search tool, uh, a program on your on that, and you plug in the word keep or keeper, it's amazing how many scriptures come up. The word implies a role and a responsibility and strongly affects your belief system and how you relate to God, both in reference to God and in reference to yourself. Let me explain. In the Old Testament... A common use of the Lord being our keeper, it is indeed referenced as a castle or a high tower uh, of protection. God is our protector. It's also used in reference like a shepherd. When it says the Lord is my shepherd, it's my keeper. He's my keeper. And he's the keeper of the flock. It, uh, it's funny, even King David was referred to in that way, that he kept his father's sheep. He was the, the keeper. Uh, Psalm 121, look at this. Just listen to this. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. 
isn't this a wonderful, this is one of the songs of ascension. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. The God who keeps you won't fall asleep on you. He won't take a nap. He won't disregard you for one second. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. And the Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. That's the Lord, our keeper. Isn't that interesting? We forget that that's within the powerful name of God, the Lord, my keep. <laughs> it's amazing. He's, he's the one who does that. Look at a couple of these in the Psalms. 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, that stronghold, my keeper. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 144, verse 2. My loving kindness and my fortress, my keep, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge. He's the keep that you can come into, that strong place. Um, the idea is actually what it's doing is characterizing how we trust God's protective love. And it, all of these psalms, uh, they were meant to be sung. They're a song in the night. When you're scared for the Lord to keep you. Have you ever sang a song in the night? It talks about that in the Psalms. I lift up my voice in the night. You know, nighttime isn't so scary for us anymore. We can turn on the lights. You know, back in those days when they were making up those songs, it was dark till morning. You know, you couldn't even find the candle to light the candle to find the thing that you're going to light it with. It was not an easy time. Dark was dark. Um, it's really interesting. The idea with all of this is how it's carried out in God's protective love. And uh, it's even found like one of the oldest, oldest hymns that we have. Guess what it is? It's a good Irish song. Be Thou My Vision. St. Dallin Forgale, he died in the year 640 A.D., and he penned that to paper. And it was actually done as a poem that they decided to put music to. And actually, the most recent way in which we sing it was 19th century song put to it. All, but all those years, there, there it was. Listen, listen to the third stanza. So many of you know, be thou my vision, you know, okay. Then this is the third stanza. Be thou my battle shield, sword for the fight. Be thou my dignity, thou my delight. Thou my soul's shelter, thou my high tower. Raise thou me heavenward 
O power of my power. Any of you traveled to Ireland and had that joy of going to see the high towers? Do you know what a high tower is? Okay, a high tower is a, exactly that. It's a single tower that the Irish monks would build to hide from the Vikings. Actually, it was to hide from the Danes who were out Viking. Viking was actually a verb, not a noun. It wasn't the name of a people. It's what they did, and they went and hurt other people really bad. And they would steal everything and kill them. And so the way the monks decided to do this, reading the scriptures about he's my high tower, they built high towers with only one entrance, a long spike that went up into the air about 60 or 70 feet with only a couple little murder holes that they could shoot arrows out of. And the upper platform, you had to go into the high tower to get access to it, and you couldn't do it because it was a trap door. And they'd pull the rope ladder up after them so you couldn't get to them. And so they would put all their silver and gold, little that they had, and, uh, and that's where they would stay, in their high tower. Be thou my high tower. In, uh, in Gaelic, it's turub tu meboi. Be thou my high tower. Amazing. Now, there's another one though. Not just the early songs that the church sang. Martin Luther and the Protestant movement. You all know this. Most people don't know. It's he who wrote it. A mighty fortress is our God. You know that hymn? Martin Luther. A bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of moral ills prevailing. That's what he wrote. I can't, I can't, oh, you know, I don't know what kind of German accent he had, but be my keeper. You are my fortress, a mighty fortress is our God. So the idea of faith and hope and love, it was actually the undergirding of the bulwark, the fortress of God's love for you. God's love is a fortress. His promise is, I will keep you through all circumstances. I was taught prayers to get out of the circumstances. It was either the devil chasing me or God correcting me. Every time, I, you know, when you went through a tough thing, better pray against that. What? The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shepherd. He'll take me through this. And we move away from those things. Yeah. Is, your, is your love for God great? Do you have a great love for God? We're all in humility. We want to go, well, I wish it was more. Stop that. Do you have a great love for God? Yes. His love is greater. That's the humility. I love God with all my heart. He loves me more. He loves me through Jesus, who is the only one who could rescue me and give his life for me. Are there New Testament? Sure. Of course. 1 Peter 1, we've looked at this so much, but blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are what? Kept. Same word. Who are kept by what? Power of God. Through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in this last time. These are my last times, no matter what the last times are. And it is the power of God who keeps me. <laughs> I'm kept, not by how much I do or don't do, not how much I give or don't give, not how much I say or don't say and who I say or don't say it to, not how politically correct I am or unwoke I am, whatever's your version of all that. I am kept by the power of God to be revealed. To who? To me. I know in part now. When I stand before him, I'm kept. On the day that you stand before the Lord and he looks at you and says, well done, if you could see him now, you know what he'd do? He would look at you and say, well done. Because you're kept by his power in the love of God. Listen to this version of it. Am I there yet? Oh, no. This is from the message. What a God we have. And how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life. And have everything to live for including a future in heaven, and the future starts when? Now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. Here's so many believers, they talk about they're worried about their kids in this generation. Stop that. The Lord is their keeper. Speak truth into their lives and tell them who God is. He's greater than the circumstances around them. He's greater than any AI. Some computer. God's way greater than a computer. And we should all say, and this my soul knows well. And if your soul's not knowing it well, you need to tell it how well you're kept by the love of God. Now, I dare say most of you don't look like you went a day without eating bread. God provided for you. Me too. Included among you. He's not, he's not abandoned me. Think through your own testimony. You might have thought, where's the Lord in this? As you went through it. But he didn't abandon you. He keeps you. He knows what he's doing. Oh my gosh. The most interesting thing about God is he knows he's God. He doesn't see in part. He doesn't know in part. He knows you fully. You're going to the day where you will be known fully. You'll know. Look at 2 Timothy. For this reason, I've got both versions up there. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. What have you committed to God? What did you surrender to him? What did you surrender to God? 
your life? Didn't you? If you haven't, talk to me afterward. Let's have a come to Jesus time. Because you, you surrender your life. And hit, keep it. The message. It's also the cause of all this trouble I'm in. But I have no regrets. I couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the end. He'll trust you. Because he keeps us, we can keep. Your power of keep, you have a keeping power. But it's the power that God, God has given you. How do we know that? Look what Jude wrote. We don't use Jude very often. but He said, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves where? In the love of God. He doesn't say keep yourself in obedience. Keep yourself in the love of God. Why? Because of love of God will keep you. So I'm going to keep myself in the love of God. It's so, it's so evident. It's right there. Be thou my high tower. Be my keeper. Every time it gets hard, when the things aren't going like you think they ought to be going, start calling on the Lord your keeper. Start putting your trust back in the one who is trustworthy. He'll keep you today and tomorrow. He'll preserve you in times of trouble. He'll watch over you and your loved ones. He is there. Does it mean nothing bad will happen? No. He keeps you in the bad things happening. He keeps you because the bad things that are happening are temporal. But the eternal is the keep of God. Keeping is eternal. Lasts forever. And he doesn't slumber, the psalm says. He doesn't go to sleep on you. Doesn't ignore you. You just didn't get the answer you wanted at the moment that you wanted it. But there was always an answer. It was always there. He is. He is. Is the answer. So, now think through this. I said this goes from Genesis. What is the first question that Cain taught when he talks to God? What does he ask God when God says, where's your brother? After he slew him. We're supposed to help keep a watch on each other. The same keep. Where's your brother? Do you really care? And make a call. Send a text. Find out. Not to find out so you can pass on the information. Find out so you can help keep them in the love of God. We're supposed to keep each other. Now, I, normally I, I end a message with a blessing for you all. Right? It's from Numbers 6.23. Most people, we're going to end it with this. Most of us uh, don't take the time to actually read what that's about. It's called, uh, throughout the church tradition, it's called the Aaronic blessing or the poetic blessing. is because it was done in, in a poetic way, in a sing-song way. But it's during the time of the traverse out of Egypt. 
and uh, Moses is raised up and Aaron is put in place as the high priest. And so God comes and visits Aaron to tell him something. He says, listen, tell the stories of what I did to them over and over again and then put this blessing and when you do, when you say this blessing, so this came from the Lord to Aaron, when you do this, you're putting my name on your children. So every time we use this blessing from number six, verse 23, it's putting, I'm going to embarrass you, I'm putting the name of God on him when I do it with each of you. Thus shall you bless the children of Israel. Name of God on you. Name of God on you. Name of God on you. Guess who's keeping you? That strong name. I will keep you. That's what that's for. I'm under the name of God. Under, you're under, we're marked with the name of God. Well, you don't know what I did last week. I'm marked with the name of God. Marked with it. So are you. Inescapable. What if you walk away? Inescapable. It's God who keeps you. What about people that walked away? I don't know, but God keeps them. What's he keep them for? Are they going under judgment? I don't know. I know in part. Not my job to figure that one out. But I know who keeps them. And he's keeping them. But they're not. I don't care. My trust is not in what man does or doesn't do. My trust is in God who keeps them. You have to settle that in your heart. Thus, let me put the name of God on you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be good to you. Lord, lift up his countenance, the shining of who he is. It be upon you. May the Lord give you peace in the midst of every storm. May the name of God be on you. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Keep each other as you go.